When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's Dan and this is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Monday and we've got one last replay for you here before training camp gets going today. It's our schedule draft. This was where all of us sat down and we drafted the Browns schedule the night it came out, the most interesting games, and we talked through all of the Browns' opponents and put them in order of how we thought they should go. So that's coming up here on the Orange and Brown Talk pod. Now, like I said, it's training camp week, so now's the time. Become a Football Insider subscriber. Head to cleveland.com slash browns. Click that blue banner at the top of the page to get all the information and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Monday Orange and Brown Talk replay, the schedule draft. So, Doug, before I hit record, I said I was very interested to see who would go number one here. So, fire away. All right. I was very excited to get number one in this draft because I have a strong opinion on this. I know we're not doing a schedule breakdown wins and losses, but I did my own little one. I think that when the Browns host the Ravens on December 12th, both those teams will be eight and four, and it will be a game for the lead in the division. The Browns and the Ravens, the Browns coming off a bye. It is a rivalry. It is two great teams. We remember the Monday night game from last year. It is going to be such an important December game. The whole season will have built to this, and the, the Ravens have to play the Steelers the week before. The Browns are off the week before. There's this, this weird little part in the schedule where it's they play each other, then they're off, then they don't, then they play each other again. They play twice in three weeks. This is the second game of that. To me, it is absolutely the game of the, of the year. Maybe they're not tied for the lead, but they're both going to be good. It is going to be super important and awesome December football in Cleveland. That's my pick. I'm so excited you picked this game. This is absolutely the stretch of games that we should be leading off with, is this Baltimore by week Baltimore series of games. I mean, Mary Kay, if I'm not mistaken, when you tweeted out your takeaways – didn't you say something like this could essentially decide the AFC North here? Yes, absolutely. That was uh, the takeaway of, of looking at the schedule, circling those two games with that bye week in between and sending the Ravens into Pittsburgh in the middle of that Browns Ravens sandwich there. And uh, this is, this is going to be it. This is where the AFC North is going to be won or lost. This could determine who makes the wild card, who doesn't, although I think they'll both make the playoffs. But but this is such a pivotal stretch and a huge case can be made 
for that game being number one overall. So I think that's a great pick. It's too bad that that's not the game that's at night. I think that's the one thing that that's missing. But the fact that you have the Ravens twice in three weeks like that, it's just that second game is going to be so interesting because of what happens in, in the first game, whether or not they're both battling for, for the division title, just the fact that you're playing basically the same team back to back. That's just really odd. And I'm curious to see how often that has actually happened in NFL history. Yeah. Like me and Scott are learning to do on God to watch the tape. Our chemistry is thriving. He set me up perfectly there because I think this is a great pick and the logical pick because it is the first of the two meetings. If this game was the second, I no, don't I think. Picked, no, don't I, pick the second. Second. I did pick yeah. the second. Oh, you picked the yeah. second one. I picked yeah. the second. I think the Browns are going to lose the first one, and then they're going to have a bye oh, to think I about it, that. and then they're going to come back, and they're going to need it at oh, home. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Then I, 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 did, I understand your setup. I completely understand your setup. And in beautiful Doug fashion, you preface and set up this world where – this is the circumstance in which why the game is so important. Like, I love how you set up your, your views like that. You're one of the best at doing this. I disagree then because for everything Scott set me up with there, I'll sum it up like this. It's gimmicky and I don't like it. I don't like the Browns playing the Baltimore Ravens twice in three weeks. If this happened a year ago, Wyatt Teller and Nick Chubb potentially don't play in this type of game. You guys get what I'm saying. There is just too much that could potentially be wrong or too much that can happen over the course of three weeks and an NFL roster injuries being the, the main concern and just where your roster is at to have such monumental games twice in three weeks. I understand that it's fun. I get that it's exciting. All of the consumption reasons I'm for thinking of it from a player standpoint, a coach's standpoint, a front office standpoint. I don't like this one bit. I'd be curious to see what long time front office people would think about this and what I'm laying out. This is just my gut feeling. Again, to me, it's gimmicky. It, it goes back to my view that the, the, the Browns and Steelers, and it's not even a view. It's just accurate that the Browns and Steelers a year ago didn't get one normal game despite playing three times last year it's just it's just a strange circumstance I I don't like how close the other games are and that that second one being the issue you know what else is so pivotal about this stretch uh, for the Ravens if you guys have had a chance to look at their schedule this is just a brutal stretch for them where they are playing and I'll just confine it to this because you could even go further they are playing four out of five games on the road in the middle of this double Cleveland at Pittsburgh thing that they have going on. So they're going to at Miami on Thursday night football at Chicago, then hosting Cleveland for Sunday night football, going to Pittsburgh, coming home and playing in the game that Doug picked number one overall. So not only is this such a crucial and pivotal game for them, if they are not completely road weary and exhausted by the time they have to play that game, I mean, John Harbaugh is going to have to manage his football team. They will have had their bye way back in week eight. Meanwhile, the Browns who have to get through 12 weeks of the season will have an opportunity to catch their breath right before this game. So much intrigue, so many storylines. This is huge. 
think Baltimore, the way Baltimore's schedule shook out for them is a negative for them. I think for the Browns, it's fine. But like what you're describing, Mary Kay, a lot of people who are Ravens fans are not very happy with the way this schedule was on. Right. It's horrible. I mean, I think this is a win for the Browns because of what you just said, Mary Kay. And like I sent to our football insider subscribers, because when I sent out the schedule, the responses were like, oh, Baltimore, that Baltimore stretch is weird. And my response was, well, guess what? Baltimore is going to be doing while the Browns have a bye week. They're going to be playing the Steelers. And I don't care if the Steelers are good or not. That is going to be a brutal football game because it always is when those two teams play. And the Browns, I, I kind of like the late bye. If anybody, I mean, this is probably the time to discuss that too. If anybody has any thoughts on that, playing those first 12 games is tough, but we saw what it did for Tampa last year. And I think having that buy to kind of set up your last month of the season could be really beneficial to this football team. Yeah. I don't like the late buy at all generally. And I'm going to completely contradict myself because exactly your point, Tampa Bay and what they did with their buy that, that late in the year, last season and then if you look at the Thursday night game if I'm not mistaken landing what is it week week seven seven yeah that often serves as a mini buy and that in a way lands right in the middle of the schedule so it it in a way offsets the late bye week which I think the Browns gain some cushion there but in general I just don't like the late bye and that bye week we're going to be doing all these stories about it's good for the Browns if the Ravens lose to the Steelers because the Ravens and Browns are going to be fighting for the division lead. The Steelers aren't going to be in it. And all the Browns fans are going to be like, I can't root for the Steelers. I can't do it. I can't. But the Browns fans are going to be sitting at home with the Browns off that weekend, watching that Pittsburgh Baltimore game. And it's going to have an absolute effect on the Browns playoff positioning. I'm excited to hear what else Ellis doesn't like. Cause like the schedule makers are over two with him right now. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you look at the, the AFC North battle in general, I mean, think about it. The Browns do not get started in the AFC North portion of their schedule until Halloween, October 31st. I mean, it's just so long before they even get to that Steelers game on October 31st, seven games into the season. And then six out of their last 10 games are AFC North foes, including four of their last six. So it all heats up in the final part of the schedule. That's a lot like 2019 where I think they only had Baltimore in the first half. And when we were always talking mm-hmm. about, well, even if they start off slow, they still got that back half of the schedule where they can catch up. That didn't really work out. Yeah. It's very similar to that. Ellis, give us pick number two. I will try to do that in the next two minutes. First, I want to respond to Scott <laughs> and tell him what the one, the last thing on my list of things I don't like, because believe it or not, I think this is a very favorable schedule for the Browns, despite listing two things I already don't like. We'll make it a third. That Kansas City game is at a terrible spot. I, I woke up wishing I would have said this on the podcast we recorded yesterday, Mary Kay and Dan, but that felt like the logical opener. Or if we were going to like pick a top two, that was going to be one a potential opener. And it is inexperienced secondary versus Casey, who's going to come out on fire i'm not saying it's an automatic loss that's the last thing i'm saying it's just i think that's a tough spot to be in but i'll end that point with saying that i like how doug went through the schedule i didn't give wins and losses but i did a best case scenario and worst case scenario best case scenario this team goes 14 and 2 and i just have two of those 15 and 2 17 games (laughs) yep yep 15 and 2 there you go it's gonna take us a while it is it is gonna take a while and I have two of those losses just coming in the AFC North. So that could be 
splitting here and there it could be I don't think they would get swept in that scenario in best case scenario uh, you know they split one with the Ravens split one with the Steelers something like that worst case scenario this team gets nine losses and that includes being swept by either the Ravens or the Steelers so you, you see the variance there but overall if the worst case is, is nine losses that would be of course a disappointment for what the expectations are but in general I think the Browns have a, have a pretty favorable schedule with all that being said because Doug didn't take that first Ravens game, I'm going to take the first Ravens game prime time uh, in the best case scenario situation. The Browns go into that game with potentially only one loss or no losses. They're undefeated. Again, prime time game. It's before the gimmick of the bye and playing them twice in three weeks and all that stuff I'm not interested in. That game is right for the picking. I was not prepared to talk about it because I thought Doug took that game. So whoever's at pick three here is going to get a sweet one. But that first meeting with Browns Ravens prime time, uh, give me all of it. You guys know how I feel about Lamar Jackson and this Browns offense and a revamped Browns defense. It's going to be a blast. I, I like that Ellis's first blush schedule analysis is that they might lose nine games or they could be undefeated going into the Baltimore game. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, really? It could be either of those two things. Thanks, Ellis, for spelling it out for us. Is that that ridiculous of a, a, a floor and ceiling? I, I wanted to ask you this question before when I picked my game, and I want to ask you it now that you picked your game. Do you think that the level of play in the second game will be negatively affected because they're playing each other two weeks apart? Like, is that – you think that, like, the game the, – the football will be worse? This is where I want to take Scott in, but my answer, I think, is no. I just – it, it, it seems strange. Like they don't play best two out of three series in the playoffs in football for a reason. Like you're just not supposed to just like the back-to-back games last year versus Pittsburgh was strange 17. And then the wild card. it's just goofy. And I, I don't like it. it makes me squirmy. In high school football around here, St. Edward St. Ignatius often played the last game of the season. And then a few times he ended up playing in the first round of the playoffs. And if I remember correctly, a lot of those playoff games were pretty awesome. Uh, so that second game could, you know, it could be just as good as, as, a, as a good first game. But again, this is the NFL and it could be week one versus, you know, the second time the Browns and Ravens played last year. I'd, it's just, it's just a weird setup. And yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the fact that the Browns have the second one at home and they have the bye week, like Mary Kay said, that's, that's huge. Yeah. I think either way, however it shakes out, it's going to be big for the team that comes out of there. If, if, if one team wins two of those games, that could be it. I, I can see where you're going with this, Ellis, and I can see why if you had the first pick, why you ha- could have made a very strong case for this game. It's in Baltimore last year where they went and got their butts kicked. They went in there and they lost 38-6. to six. They've got something to prove. They want to set the tone. Are there going to be fans? Are stadiums going to be full? I mean, all I saw when we were in Baltimore in that opener were little – uh, you know, flying little things in the, uh, in the, in the stadium there. I mean, if, if the stadium is rocking that that's going to be a completely different atmosphere. And again, it's on Monday night for our Sunday night football. And uh, that just ratchets everything up. It's so late. It's so late in the season to try to figure out who is winning this division. And I just find that fascinating because it's probably going to be Baltimore or it's going to be Cleveland. And here they are waiting all the way until November 28th. And that is the first time 
in week 12 when uh, the moment of truth is going to be happening. I, I just think it's so intriguing. So this game, it's because it is the first time they are going to know if they can beat the Ravens, you could have made a case for this at number one overall. And that could be the one when you go back and all is said and done. I mean, that, that, that could also be the one where you're, you know, where they won or lost, uh, you know, the division, whatever. I'm making my case for picking the second game because the second game, if the Browns beat Baltimore the first time, then the second game is going to be like, they can put them away. If the Browns lose to Baltimore in the first game, then the second game is going to be like, they need this. Like this race is going to be close enough that I think the second game is going to have more importance. So that's why I picked the second. Also, I don't know if we're talking, I think the Browns have a chance to have five Romo Nance games. And I know that everybody loves the, the primetime games. And I don't know if people's feelings are hurt, that they only got three primetime games when we thought they'd get more, but my Baltimore game will be a Romo Nance game. So that's all. Isn't that might be better than primetime. It's Romo, man. I mean, I am a sucker for the Collins or slide in, but you are right. But I'll give me Romo every time. I'm not connected enough yet for this, so I'll leave this to you guys. The next time when you guys talk to a front office person in this league, can you ask them about the playing a division rival two times in three weeks? I'd, I'd be fascinated to hear what they have to say. These were my top two games on my board, one and two. Uh, these were number one and number two. And I, I went with the second one because I think what, of what Doug was saying. Like The first one is going to set up whatever the second one means. And I, I just think that game has the potential to be absolutely bananas. All right, Mary Kay, you're up. I, I'm going to go right to it. I'm, I'm diving into the opener. I'm going into the Kansas City game here uh, because even though, you know, I think 100% a case could be made for more division games and things like that. I mean, look, it's the opener. They are picking up where they left off the season. They are heading back into Arrowhead, taking on those Chiefs again. And this time they want to go plant their flag and beat this team that they couldn't get past in that AFC divisional game. So much intrigue in this game. Patrick Mahomes probably isn't going to miss the final 22 minutes of the game this time. There's a good chance he's probably going to play the whole game as long as he's healthy uh, coming off of toe surgery. You've got a better offensive line for them. Their, their starting running back didn't play in that game. Uh, so he will probably be back in this game. Like I said, I think the biggest thing that they did was beef up the offensive line. They really had a hard time protecting him. On the other hand, the Cleveland Browns built this defense with potentially nine new starters on defense just for a day like this. A sunny day in Kansas City for them to go out and try to use smaller, faster linebackers and more versatile players and a way better way better secondary uh, to try to solve Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman and Travis Kelsey. Uh, it's just got classic written all over it. Baker versus Patrick Mahomes. What more could you ask for? It's got everything. This game was obviously high on my list. I think what's interesting about this game is it's a really fun game. It's the rematch game. How much do we think the result of this game is ultimately going to matter? zero yeah yep there you go <laughs> I, I just like if these teams when when is the afc championship game the last game of the season is january 9th right so the afc championship game is probably like that last weekend in january so if this is like a precursor to that these teams are going to be so different when they play again 
So I think it's interesting for all the, I think it's super interesting for all those reasons you said, Mary Kay, and I had it very high up on my board, but I also think the crazy thing about it is like, I don't know if we're going to learn a whole lot about either of these teams long-term in this game, unless the Browns defense just comes out and dominates that could, that could be the, the thing where it's like, Whoa, that was fast. And that's a lot of talent, but I, I don't know how much the result of this game is, is going to carry weight. You know what? You cannot say that about an AFC game. There are tiebreakers. This is going to be, this is going to be a close race right down to the finish. This could be a photo finish between the Ravens and the Browns. Every single game matters. I mean, if they had lost one more game last year, if they had lost the season finale to the Pittsburgh Steelers, they weren't making the playoffs last year. It's an AFC matchup and absolutely 100%. It matters. It also matters just in terms of here's where we are. We are going to set the tone for the season and we're going to put our, we're going to plant our flag and show you people who the heck we are. So I, I, I 100% believe it can be long right the, here. The Browns don't have to prove anything anymore. They have planted their flag. They won 11 games last year. They won a playoff game. They established who they are. This is the most likely loss in the schedule. For some reason, the NFL for two straight years decided to have the Browns open on the road against the team that was 14 and two in the regular season last year. And last year they got their doors blown off by Baltimore and it didn't matter. Like they were good anyway. So like the thing that I'm going to be curious about is I'm assuming they're going to lose this game because the chiefs are awesome and you, it's hard to beat good teams on the road. And I don't think they're going 17 and zero. And if you think they're not going 17 and zero, and you said, okay, pick a loss. This is it. It's the chiefs on the road. This is the most likely loss. So I'm, I'm intrigued. And I already wrote about this. Like I'm assuming like everybody who's puffing up, you know, National people still have no idea how to talk about the Browns. I'm waiting for everybody to jump off the Browns bandwagon on Monday on all the stupid national shows. And I will enjoy watching them flee because, oh, God, the Browns lost to the Chiefs. That means the Browns stink. No, it means the Browns are going to win 13 games. This just isn't one of them. So, like, I don't I don't think they have to plan anything. They're they're planted, man. They're they're good. Like, so, like, it'd be nice to win, but. You know, if it was in Cleveland, I'd think of it differently. But like on the road, this is your game. The Chiefs are going to be ticked off. Like the Chiefs are going to be loaded for bear, man. Like I, I just think it's like an almost impossible hill to climb. But it doesn't mean they can't do it when they have to go play the AFC Championship game in Kansas City, right? But I, I just, I just don't think it's as Scott when he gave a zero with his hand when it started off. Like I just, I just don't think it's linked. It's so far apart, as Dan said. I just don't think it is like a precursor to a playoff matchup because it's so far away from it. And so I'm just assuming they lose and they'll come out the next week and then win and be one and one. Unless unless that week one loss is the difference between hosting the AFC championship game. Well, but I mean, like that's every game. game. Then, I mean, like every what I'm game saying matters. though is like, I mean, what's, I don't know. I mean, I, mean like, I, I, I lean more towards if the Browns lose this game. Okay. They lose this game. I, I mean, the first week of the season is always overreaction week one way or the other. And I think if the Browns win this game, people are going to overreact the other way. Everybody overreacts to week one, but I wouldn't say zero just because, well, it could be the difference in a tiebreaker with Baltimore, or it could be a difference in. I mean, but, I mean that, that applies to every single game. I mean, well, like, I know that applies and to that like, applies to this game. That's why I'm well, saying I think the original okay. question was what this, I, th- I thought the framing of the original question was what does this matter? And what some about learning about what the Browns are like every game matters. Yeah. But as far as what this is going to tell us what the Browns are going to be, I would say zero because, number one, it's an even longer season than it's ever been before. And number two, this is the first game. And 
look what happened last year. So yeah, they want to win every game and yeah, it could come down to one result determining whether or not they get home field or even into the playoffs. But what happens in week one, it's the game that tells you the least about what's going to happen the rest of the season, unless, you know, Baker gets hurt or something. Or, yeah. or you, or you commit 18 penalties against the Titans. <laughs> yeah. That's the point that Scott made right there. If, Every game matters, but if these two teams meet in the playoffs and I go to break down tape, I'm not going to watch much of week one because so much changes throughout the season and, and after bye weeks and whatnot. I, I think that's accurate as well. Although I will say, judging by some social media posts, this game does matter a lot to some Browns players. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we're, we're seeing that begin to build already. There's okay. also the fact that the Browns haven't won a home uh, week one game since 2004. That's, a, that's eight coaches. Eight coaches over that string. That's that's incredible. And the Chiefs don't lose in week one, so it streaks up. How many coaches is that for the Chiefs? Like two? Three? Yeah, well, I think it's mostly Andy Reid. Todd Haley's in there somewhere. All right, Scott, number four. Well, I think I'm going to go with the Broncos uh, in week seven, Thursday night, the first primetime game. And I'm doing that in a lot of ways because of the games that lead up to it. After that Chiefs game, they have the Browns have a stretch where – they should be favored in like every game. Other than the Bears, there are no playoff teams on that list. It's Texans, Chargers, Vikings, Bears, Cardinals. I mean, that could be a, a run, and you're coming in maybe on a significant winning streak to play a prime time game at home, potentially with a full stadium. That's going to be quite a moment for 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 the franchise and for the fans and and the Browns, especially if they're you know five and one at that point. I'm curious where everybody else had this game. I had it. I had it pretty low on my board. And I think we had Denver relatively high in our power rankings. So it's, it's not like preposterous to have this game high up the list. I just, I had them lower. I'm curious where everybody else had them. Yeah. I love this game. Uh, on yesterday's podcast, I ranted about the Broncos. So for our daily listeners, sorry, I'm going to repeat a lot of this, but they've got three stud receivers two of them being Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy, Javante Williams at running back, Melvin Gordon's still there. Their offensive lines remade and their left tackle had a career year last year. Noah Fant is an excellent tight end. Their defense, Von Miller back, Bradley Chubb, draft Patrick Sertain. They got Fuller from the Bears. Justin Simmons is still there at safety. It's a nice roster. And now you slide in Teddy Bridgewater, who's going to be the 19th or 18th best quarterback and not turn the football over. Give me that. Plus, Scott gets the baked-in Aaron Rodgers effect. Perhaps Aaron Rodgers is in Denver. And I think it's fascinating how much, just in general or overall, whatever word fits their best, the Aaron Rodgers dilemma situation endgame plays a role in the Brown schedule. You got the Packers and, and the Broncos both on the schedule, both the leaders in any Vegas line you see for Aaron Rodgers' 2021 team. I had this one a little bit lower, and I think it once again, it's always just because I'm always thinking about the quarterback matchups, always very quarterback centric, but you're right. This is, a, this is a big game. It's a, it's a, it's a primetime game. It, it closes out that stretch before they get into the, the heart of their uh, AFC North schedule and start going on, on that little tour. But I just had it lower. I mean, obviously if, if they had Aaron Rodgers, it would be a lot higher, but I just, I'm, I don't know. I'm having a little bit of a difficult time getting, too overly excited about this matchup as a top four or five matchup. 
Yeah, I agree. You're, you're not a Browns fan thinking about going downtown in the evening and, and cheering on the Browns. I think, I think a lot of Browns fans are going to put this higher on their, on their list, especially since it's the only home primetime game. And a lot of fans seem to be really upset that they only got three of them. Actually, I, mean, I agree with Mary Kay, but that's a good point by Scott. Like that's a, we are surprised by that, right? Yeah. Only three <laughs> prime time and only one at home. That does feel like a little are, bit of a, not, are not they still getting collective? Are they still getting burned for the 2019 primetime experience? I, I don't know. Feels that way. Well, I also wonder if, if a part of it was like, did CBS really want that Browns Kansas city game? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because that's, that's in a, that's in a, prominent slot that 425 slot week one is one of the most prominent spots in the nfl so i i just wonder if see i mean we kind of forget about it sometimes because we get caught up in like the primetime stuff but like the, these networks fox and cbs have the pull and they can they can grab and hang on to some of these games sometimes so i'm gonna grab i'm gonna go off my board a little bit here because i have a game at number three that i probably should pick but it's more the more the aesthetic of it that I'm pick that I would pick that game for. I think we've got to get another division game in here. And I, I think it's got to be the first Pittsburgh game in week eight. And I wish the Browns were playing the Steelers earlier in the season. I think it would be, you know, we're going to have an idea of who the Steelers are at this point. And if they're not very good, then this game isn't going to be quite as exciting, but you know, the Steelers are a team that I would imagine eight weeks into the year at worst are going to be somewhere around 500 at least. I mean, that's kind of who they are. So even if that's where they're at, this is the first meeting since the playoff game, divisional game. It's a home game against Pittsburgh. So Browns fans are going to want to show up and and let Big Ben hear it maybe for the last time ever. And so I've got to take Pittsburgh here. I'm going to go off my board and I've got to grab one of these Pittsburgh games at number five. Yeah, I love this pick. This is one of the areas I really like with the Browns schedule, Scott teased part of it with the Denver pick but this Steelers pick happens after the Thursday night game so that ex- mini buy if you will and it happens not early in the season like this is the game that you feel like should happen if it was in week three we'd feel a lot differently you know going KC Texans Steelers we, we nod our head saying we wish the Browns and Steelers were meeting earlier but it really does favor the Browns a lot that they're meeting them right here in this you don't want to call it a sweet spot but to it's like college football. You want to play the Texans and the Bears first. The only thing better would be playing Texans Lions first. That, so easing your way into the season like that after a tough one, and then having the Steelers with that mini buy to sort of end the top part of the year, I think lands real nicely for Cleveland. And the Steelers, by the way, are coming off their buy into that game. Okay. I, th- I think it was on Gotta Watch the Tape at some point where we said this would be the perfect opener for the Browns because you'd really find out right away the kind of improvements the Browns did or didn't make in coverage, especially against an offense where no one gets a hand on Roethlisberger because they get the ball out so quick. Like that would have been great. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be a task by themselves, obviously, but this would have been a great one to, uh, to start the year off with by week eight, we should really have a handle on what this Browns defense is. So, you know, it's the Browns Steelers. So it, it should be high in the, on our list here. Yeah, that that atmosphere is going to be absolutely nuts for for that game too. I mean, Browns fans, they're they're going to be fired up for that game. And I do think it's important, Dan. Like you said, it might be the last chance for Browns fans to like boo Ben Roethlisberger in person, right? Unless you want to go to Pittsburgh to do it. But like, I think that's I don't think that should be overlooked. And they might go to Pittsburgh to do it. That's true. <laughs> you, you know can, what? You can you can boo him from home if you want. 
the, the other thing about this game, remember this, you guys, is that there was so much emotion in that game both ways. I mean, think about it. That game ended with Ben Roethlisberger and Marquise Pouncey sitting on a bench and crying. That was Juju Smith-Schuster. The Browns were out of their minds in that game. He's back. I mean, there, there are so many storylines going into this game, so much emotion. The Pittsburgh Steelers got their butts kicked, even though they rebounded and Ben threw for over 500 yards and they turned it into a game, sort of. It was still, we will, it will always go down in everyone's mind as a tail whooping, right? I mean, it was just a beat down. It was a beat down. It felt like a sea change. And the Steelers need to prove that they, they can come back from that and that everybody's writing them off. Nobody thinks they're worth a damn in this season. And this will be their opportunity to say, you know what? Don't write us off for dead just yet. Yeah, I mean, like, what if they're four and two? You know, I mean, what, what if they're, what if they're good? Then this game carries even more weight. So, uh, so this should be uh this should be an exciting one. I, I do wonder if there's a Pittsburgh podcast doing this and I haven't looked at the Steelers schedule. I wonder if they would pick this game. Number one for the Steelers of the whole, the, for exactly everything Mary Kay just said that you're going to Cleveland, you're trying to prove something. It's the first time you get the right that like, and it could be like, if the Browns beat the Steelers here, Mary Kay, like it might finish, like that's it. This is like burying the Steelers. The sea change is over. Mm-hmm. Or, but if the Steelers win, it's like hold on, not so fast. I, right. I almost think this might be the most important game of the season for Pittsburgh. Right. I think going to to Pittsburgh and winning there in the regular season that that's what buries, that's what turns everything. I think they have to do that. Okay. Well, we probably have that one coming up here soon. Pick number mm-hmm. six, Doug. You're up. I'm assuming this is the aesthetic pick that Dan passed on, and I'm so happy he did because this is going to be awesome fun, which is important, and it's also going to be important because the Browns have to learn where the bathrooms are for the Super Bowl. So the Browns at the Chargers, they got to get a lay of the land in the stadium. It's Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert. That San Diego defense, not San Diego, the Chargers defense is going to be healthy. Like everybody thinks that the Chargers are ready to make a step like the Browns made last year. It's right at an early pivot point of the season. If you want to talk yourself into a 10 game Browns winning streak between Kansas City and Baltimore, I think this might be the most likely loss in that 10 game stretch. Right. If you really believe in year two, Justin Herbert. But man, I just want to watch this game. I want to see these quarterbacks and these defenses go against each other. And it's in the cool new stadium that's hosting the Super Bowl. So I'll take that. What is it? Week five? Week, week five. This was five my, game. This was not my game, by the way. Not. I love okay. this game. I'm all in on the Chargers. I'm all in on Justin Herbert. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. This was high on my list, but this was not the game that I passed on specifically. Yeah, I, I'm so intrigued and excited to see this game and to see that quarterback. He's so darn good. I mean, the Browns are going in there to face the reigning NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's one of those just new breed of quarterbacks that are just flooding the NFL. So exciting, so good. I, I can't wait to see how, how Baker steps up his game against guys like this because he knows the comparisons will be made. And he just loves to play like that with his back against the wall. I mean, people are going to be praising Justin Herbert going into this game, comparing Baker. That's when he really shines. I can't wait to see how he comes out in a game like this. 
Yeah, these are two teams on somewhat similar paths, just LeBron's being a year earlier, a uh, young up-and-coming head coach, at least, you know, based on uh, resume and in an analytical community, the way he sees the field and the plays his defenses, the young quarterback, of course, and then just a loaded roster. You, you know, LeBron's being one of the C- Cinderella's, if you will, or, or heroes, of the draft was sort of the chargers. The chargers had a, quite a home run class. And now these two teams meet in LA and, and Doug sets it up perfectly with getting familiar with the, the stadium for the super bowl. Couldn't be better. And, and the weather will be beautiful, but it is year round. So they'll be used to it anytime they show up there. Let's move on then. Uh, Ellis, you're up. All right. So the board has gone some interesting ways. There's one game on there that, Let's, let's do it. I'm going to go at Patriots in week 10. I, this, I can't believe it. This is the upset of the podcast. Are you surprised? This is, this is your Minnesota window. I cannot believe you turned down the Minnesota game. This goes against really? everything about you. Okay, go ahead. Interesting. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Minnesota would have been my, my third pick anyway. So I'll, I'll be, it'll be fun to chime in when we get there. To me, this Patriots game lands in the one spot that the Browns it could be most problematic. This is a the Patriots team that you would have liked to seen a, a little earlier by week 10. You'd figure definitely the defense will be figured out the most opt outs a year ago, plus the free agent additions, it, their quarterback situation. Likely you, you'd think by week 10, they, they know either Cam has solidified himself as a guy and that he's not relinquishing it or, or Mac Jones is in by now, regardless, 10 weeks with Bill Belichick, getting his new pieces on both sides of the ball installed. I think you catch the Patriots at them possibly starting to play some of their better football, but the Browns could be coming off that, that similar stretch. We already talked about Denver. We talked about the home Pittsburgh game. You're not too worried about being in Cincinnati and and then the, the away game in Minnesota and LA, you have a potential win streak here that could be on the line against Bill Belichick in Foxborough. They played there in 2019. It was a nightmare with the turnover fest. And Kevin Stefanski wasn't out coached much last year. The Raider game and, and the John Gruden stands out in Cleveland. This is Bill Belichick, and it'll be a, an opportunity for Kevin Stefanski to add one to his repertoire, getting the best of a Bill Belichick defense. This is sort of the discussion we had yesterday in the power rankings. I feel like this is too high, but I also think I feel the same way about the Patriots that you do, Ellis, that they're sort of, I think people are writing them off at their own risk. And, and like, yeah, I mean, like I've said numerous times, we talk about them like they went three and 13 last year. They went seven and nine against one of the toughest schedules in the AFC. I, I think this is still a good football team, not a Super Bowl team, not even a team that makes to the AFC championship game. I think this is a really good football team with, the best head coach ever and a great offensive coordinator. And they're, this is not an easy football game in kind of this stretch where, you know, you have the Broncos, you have the Steelers, you've got since at Cincinnati and then at new England, that that's kind of that game sandwich between Cincinnati and Detroit, which should be wins, but no, I, that's not going to be an easy game at all. It's amazing how the Patriots just kind of went from this dynasty to just blah in one year. And that game doesn't excite me. Maybe by that point in the season, it will. But at this point, it's like that they have work to do to get to that point where they're a really scary road game for a team that we all expect to be really good in the Browns. 
But again, you know, by that point in the season, maybe, maybe it's happened. All right, Mary Kay, you are up. There are a lot of good games left here. There are a lot of good games left. I know you're going to steal the one I've been waiting on here. No, No. I I don't think, I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I don't think this is going to be a super popular pick here. Just like my Kansas city pick wasn't very popular amongst you guys, but I have my reasons for this and I am going with the, at the Cincinnati Bengals on November 7th at one o'clock. And why am I doing that? First of all, uh, because it's a division game. And once again, I think this is going to be a very, very, very tight division race. And I think that these games are, are going to be so vitally important. The other thing is, by midway through the season, Joe Burrow should be having his mojo down and coming back pretty strong from the torn ACL. He played a hell of a game against Baker Mayfield last year down in Cincinnati. That was a heck of a football game. He was amazing. Now, we don't know how he's going to come back from the ACL, but he's got a really good receiving core. He's got a really good receiving core. Added Jamar Chase to it. You know, you got T. Higgins, you got Tyler Boyd. I I just don't think that this is as easy and as pushovery as some people might think. I think this is a game that they've got to be They've got to be ready for it. They're coming off a a stretch of three home games. They're heading into a stretch of three games on the road out of their next four. So they, they got to get it. You know, you got to, you got to win this one. And I just love the matchup of Joe Burrow rising star in the AFC North versus Baker Mayfield. Who didn't love Joe Burrow in college and after seeing him play last year. I mean, he's unbelievable. So excited to see those guys play. And as I said before, I think Baker Mayfield loves to rise to the occasion in a game like this, when everybody wants to say Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. I think he's going to want to make sure everybody's saying like they did last time, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. I think the Bengals could be five and three going into that game. They have the Jets, Detroit, and Jacksonville before that Browns game. And if they have a pulse at all, I, I think they could have a much better record than people expect. They're playing a fourth-place schedule, which would only add Mary Kay to the intrigue of what you're talking about. Okay, this, the, the Bengals are one, are one of those teams where we're really going to find out again what this past defense is all about because Burrow went through like over 100 times between those two games. Tight ends hurt the Browns, especially in the first game. They had major issues at slot corner. In that first game, I think Tavier Thomas started that game. So they've upgraded in all those areas. And, you know, maybe these games aren't as close as everybody's anticipating. Yeah, Joe Burrow should should conceivably get better, and they've certainly added weapons for him. But this is a game that the Browns could end up controlling just because they've really addressed the areas where the Bengals were able to keep it close last year. So Doug and I have been all over the Joe Brady to Cincinnati as the head coach and reuniting with Joe Burrow fan fiction to his point that likely will not be the case. Of course, they're not going to hire him in the middle of the season, but Zach Taylor will likely still have a job by the time this game happens due to the Bengals playing the bears, Jaguars and lions and jets all before they play the Browns there. However, the Browns have an opportunity to, let the game Mary Kay pick be the start of the end of Zach Taylor's 
run in Cincinnati potentially. They have the Browns and then a bye week. Then a, a stretch of games they all could very well lose and probably will not be favored. It goes Raiders, Steelers, Chargers, Niners, Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, and then the Browns again. So it could be the start of a losing streak and then the end of the season in week 18. And then Joe Brady's on his way to Cincinnati. I, I would I would like this game either way, anywhere it went, just because I, for much of what Mary Gay said, I'm just excited as hell to see Joe Burrow and now his trio of receivers that include Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. I do think a five and three start and a five and 12 final record is on the table for the Bengals. What you just said, Ellison, that's goodbye, Zach. Hello, Joe Brady. And, and the point about the defense is important because the way the Bengals make these games interesting against the Browns is they turn it into what it was when the two teams played at Paul Brown stadium last year, right? A shootout where AJ green is, you know, turning around a second earlier from the Browns losing that game. So that that's what the Bengals need to try and do. And I think it's, it's possible. And as, as I've said before, this is a Joe Burrow podcast. The, the podcasts that love Joe Burrow the most are the rankings go every Bengals podcast. And then this one, we're right there. So this is, this is absolutely a Joe Burrow podcast. My pick is still on the board. So I appreciate that as well. I, I'm kind of going to sweat out Scott's pick here. We, we don't know what day that Raiders game is. That, that would totally just sway my pick. <laughs> if it's the 18th, I'm definitely doing it. If the 19th, then forget it. I think I'll stay away from that for now. Um, I'm going to take the Steelers Monday night, week 17. No matter how the season goes, that game is going to be very important. It could be home field. It could be just getting in the playoffs. But taking what, what Doug said earlier about turning the tide, I think winning in Pittsburgh in the regular season is, is huge for the Browns. I think it was 2003. Tim Couch less started to, to do it. So that game's going to be big. It's Monday night. It's Everybody's going to be watching. And even if the Steelers are bad, it the Browns, they still have to go there and win. It's going to be a struggle. It always is. And I just think there's going to be a lot riding on that game for one reason or another. So that's my pick. And you're going to have the full stadium and that stupid horn blowing every third down and renegade is going to get everybody fired up in the fourth quarter. It's going to be a really great atmosphere as well. So yeah. And then playing this game so late in the season, it's, it's better if the Steelers are still in the hunt, but even if they've kind of fallen off, this is still a, a great, divisional matchup on a Monday night football game. I mean, it's a great role reversal. It's like the Browns are trying to like win the division or fight for a seed and the Steelers are out of the playoff race and trying to play spoiler, right? Like that's how many times has that been reversed? So, but like, there's no way it won't matter, Scott, like to your point, we're talking about right. a, a primetime game late in the year at Pittsburgh and it absolutely is going to matter to the Browns. It probably even maybe should have gone earlier. There is a legitimate chance the Browns go four and zero against the Steelers within a calendar year. And this game of course would be the bookend of that. And that, that's remarkable. Okay. Well, I get it. I get my game. The, the aesthetic game Browns. If there's one game where you wear the all white uniforms, it's gotta be this one, please just do it. Week 16 Christmas day at green Bay. I can't believe this one is still on the board. I understand it's an NFC game. You know, we talked about Kansas City and, and how much that result might matter in the big picture. A Green Bay result, just because it's an NFC game, maybe doesn't matter as much. But because it's so late in the season, it might actually make it more important. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is there. But come on, 
getting this at number 10, Green Bay on Christmas to cl- a classic uniform matchup. That uni watch guy on Twitter is going to go nuts over this game. He might not live past this game because he's so excited, especially if it's snowing. Give me this football game right here at number 10. You know who's not excited for this game, Dan, and who is happy Doug? it was picked so low? The, the lobby children. Daddy, <laughs> why won't you be home on Christmas? I assume that's why it didn't get picked. Because I assume, I don't know, Mary Kay and Dan, are you like thrilled to be in Green Bay, Wisconsin on Christmas Day? Or do you think it's kind of for farts? Well, let, let me just say this. As a, as a football writer, I try not to complain about stuff like this because every baseball writer and basketball writer in America is just going to laugh hysterically and have no pity on me. So, yeah, it stinks having to work Christmas, but it is what it is. We have basically avoided these things for most of most of my career, I never really had to worry too much about uh, a Thanksgiving Day game or a Christmas Day game. I've traveled a few times on Christmas Day itself to get somewhere or to get home from somewhere. But uh, for the most part, I, I have been fortunate enough to be at home with my family for Christmas. So they can do without me for one year. The, the children are grown. I mean, but I mean... I'm still parenting them every day. In case anybody <laughs> wonders, trust me, you can you guys can see half of it going on behind me half the time. But anyways, that's that's not the issue. I mean, I can they can live without me on Christmas Day. But still, going to Green Bay and playing in in Green Bay in December is not necessarily ideal, right? I mean, like in December, you want to be going to Los Angeles. Not Wisconsin, <laughs> but no, this is, this is still a great game. This is a great game. And you know what? There was a group of games. And when I look back now, I should have picked the Steelers Monday night game, probably over my Bengals game. But I mean, I still made a pretty compelling case. I think I was somewhat convincing, but I probably screwed that up. I probably should have gone a little higher with the Steelers, but I'm fine with the green Bay game right here at number 10. Listen, there are going to be families all over Northeast Ohio and around Ohio and around the country that are going to have a Christmas gathering at the end of this stinking pandemic where people are going to be together again with loved ones far flung and they're going to eat a Christmas dinner and then they're going to sit on the couch together and on Christmas afternoon, watch the Browns play the Packers. And that's going to be pretty cool. So I'm sorry to Mary Kay and Dan that you're going to have to leave your families, but on behalf of a grateful nation, we're going to be sitting on our couches, enjoying our Christmas watching this game. The kids get an extended Christmas, really, because they'll still do all that stuff without me on the 25th. And then I'll come back on like the 27th. It'll be like, all right, let's have another Christmas. They're going to get like four Christmases out of this. <laughs> My Minnesota bias is showing by just admitting this, but this was the game I was would have picked if the New England game would not have been available. And then the Minnesota game being third. As someone who's grown up following the NFC North religiously, this is Lambeau Field on, on Christmas Day. It, it, it's incredible. But more practically, too, I do think if Aaron Rodgers is the Packers quarterback and they are the team that they were last year, and they're a well-coached team, you know, similar offense to what the Browns were and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. this game is important. This is a very challenging game to play in the last, however, what, last three games of the season if you're in a division race. So even though it's a a cross-conference game, you could come away from that with a pretty costly loss if that's what happens. This is one of those games where the the hype is, you know, potential Super Bowl matchup. If, you know, if the Packers are 
what they have been in the Browns or, or what we think they can be. That's, that'll be the storyline. It, it could also be the middle of three straight nationally televised games, depending on what happens with that Raiders game. There's a chance that that could become a night game. So there's a chance that, uh, that that could be part of this stretch where the Browns are out there showing the entire world what they can do. But Christmas Day, yeah, that's pretty cool. What if, what if Baltimore gets flexed on the 12th? Mm-hmm. I could be another one too. Uh, Doug, you're up. All right. Uh, between two games here, this is a little bit of a line of like, I think there's quite a difference between Green Bay on Christmas Day and like what's left. But I'm not going to, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave the game for my guy. I'm not, I'm not going to do that to my guy and take his game. So th- I'm going to take this game based on opponent. And this is a little bit of a, because of what I cover, I'm going to take the Bears game and I'm going to hope that the Bears are smart enough to have Justin Fields be their quarterback by week three. I'm a little nervous about that because the Bears start at the Rams, home against the Bengals, and then at the Browns. And then their week four game is home versus Detroit. And if they don't make Justin Fields the starter week one, I could see them like letting Andy Dalton take some lumps for three weeks and letting Justin Fields start at home against the Lions for his first start. And so all the Ohio State fans who want to see Justin Fields won't get to see him. So I'm a little apprehensive about that. But if they do the smart thing and just play him from week one, then I think this will be fun for fans of Ohio football. So I, I, I'm, I'm hoping it's Justin Fields. And if it's not, then this game stinks because I don't want to see Andy Dalton. Doug, what, what's the case? What's the case against starting Justin Fields? He's started None. two years in college. He's got all that experience. I think if a guy is, has all that experience, then if we're talking about a guy that started for one year, that's maybe a little different. But like this guy's started two years at a giant program and has played in enormous games. They're nuts. And, and Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are going to get fired if they don't have a good year. They're trying to make like Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith comparisons because Nagy was in Kansas City for that. Alex Smith was like a four-time playoff quarterback in Kansas City when they broke in Patrick Mahomes. Andy Dalton is off the scrap heap. He's from a Dallas dumpster. He is not Alex Smith. And by the way, talking about teams like the Patriots, you slide in a quarterback. And by the way, they weren't so bad. The Bears have been eight and eight the past two years with bad quarterback play. If you slide in good quarterback play, they have some stuff. They should be ready to make the playoffs. And I hope they don't dink around for three weeks of Andy Dalton and throw their season away. So, Dan, I can't make a case other than they're kind of saying it, but I don't believe a word they're saying about breaking Justin Fields in slowly. So I think he will be the guy. And if he's not, they're dumb. The NFC North is going through a crossroad right now. And the Browns are catching this division at a perfect time. Transition between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, potentially a breakup and then transition from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. The Vikings drafted Kellen Mond, who likely doesn't play this year unless injury, but that is clearly the successor to Kirk Cousins, a guy who has a $45 million cap hit. Holy smokes. <laughs> and that they have no interest in continuing to pay premium dollars for a quarterback that is literally three games over 500 over the course of his Viking career. I'm pretty sure I have that accurately. So, yeah, this is one of those games that catching Chicago next year could be a huge issue, but right now is when you want to grab them. It's like when Deshaun Watson first came in for the Texans and was only throwing to DeAndre Hopkins and it, it was a mess. 
players like this learn quickly. And I think Justin Fields is, is more Watson than Trubisky. If we're going to go there, they, they might be a little Broncos esque, right? I mean, now Teddy Bridgewater is a more experienced quarterback, but just having, I mean, like you said, like Doug, when you said that, that got me thinking like competent quarterback play could be worth two wins to this team. And obviously he's young. So that might co- be a little costly, but like Denver finally getting competent quarterback play from a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. It's not going to be great, but it makes them a better football team. If Aaron Rodgers gets traded, I'm not so sure the bears shouldn't win that division. So like, again, this is, this is my whole thing. Like you build a team around a young quarterback, just because the young quarterback bombs don't give up, slide in another guy and go. And I, they're going to try to do that with Justin Fields. I hope he's doing it in, in Cleveland in week three. And you know what? I mean, teams have learned to take these young dual threat quarterbacks and let them do what they do. Well, they take what they did in college. They play to their strengths and they're getting something out of them right away. Teams have done it recently. There's plenty of recent history about throwing them in and making the play, you know, the play calling and the defense reading as simple for them as they possibly can and letting them run and shine and do all the things that they can do. I I think they can absolutely do it. I think they should, and I agree. I hope they do. So maybe a tougher game than people are giving it credit for here in in week three, uh, second home game in a row for the Browns. There's a game on here I can't believe it's still on here as we go to Ellis, and I know Mary Kay is just praying that it doesn't get picked. Well, this is a no-brainer. It's the Vikings in in week four. Doug leaving it for me. I, I appreciate the solid. We talked about this game a little bit yesterday, this is a spot where the Vikings to me have a chance to have a nice bounce back year. Uh, They've never been had back-to-back losing seasons under Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. They're going to get their best player on defense back in Daniel Hunter. They add Delvin Tomlinson on the defensive line. Uh, They're going to have their linebackers back healthy Kendricks and Barr. Harrison Smith is still back. They're playing safety. The corners are questionable. I get that. The, the, the offense is still loaded. We're talking Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins can still throw for 400 yards, or you can throw for three interceptions. I don't know what you're going to get, but it's at U.S. Bank Stadium. That place is going to be absolutely nuts with, again, people being back from COVID. And there will be baked in Kevin Safansky fanfare with just the the clout that the Browns carry nationally place is going to be electric it's going to be an exciting game and an emotional one it's no secret Kevin is still extremely close with people in that building people in the media in that area I mean he spent 16 years there he is still cemented there in many ways and for that and the offense really these two offenses meeting Kubiak's though not being with the team anymore his son now calling offense the origin of Kevin Stefanski there's just so many storylines here and it is a game that will have those storylines play out on the field as well and I can't wait to see it I think we're going to be talking about the offenses like who wore it better you know (laughs) after after seeing both of them do it and yeah it is kind of it's also Joe Woods spent time there and just a lot um, lot of guys yeah and uh prefers going back yeah so yeah I think it really has a chance. I mean, if the Browns are two and one, which they should be, and they're looking good and they're looking like a Super Bowl contender, this really might be Kevin Stefanski's introduction sort of to the, the nation a little bit because 
people are going to do a, like big Kevin Stefanski stories this week. They're going to talk about being there for 16 years, everything he learned. Right. I mean, that's, I think it will be an opera. It will be a Kevin Stefanski week and people who are like, Oh, that Brown's, you know, I think it, it, in, a, in a lot of ways we'll get to know him. So I'm glad you said that Doug, the only, and that's exactly why I didn't select it a round ago. If this would have been a Sunday night game, my goodness, I would have, I would have taken it second overall. I would have let my Minnesota bias show. I mean, can you imagine Chris Collinsworth raving about everything we just laid out, all the fresh ripe storylines that are localized that he could have just pulled up and made national news. Like everyone's hearing it for the first time, the exact way you just laid out, it would have been incredible. It's 1 PM on a Sunday in October. I worried it will get buried, but because of the high octane offenses and all those storylines, it may not. Yeah, I was debating this game, how much national attention it would get, because I'm not sure if the Stefanski storyline is like Cleveland, Minnesota, or if it's like right. the NFL world. Uh, I think this might tell us. But here's the other thing about this game. It's so easy to just kind of go through and check off, oh, win, win, win. But like, kind of like if Chicago's getting good quarterback play. Like Minnesota's a good football team. Mm-hmm. Not a Super Bowl team. Maybe not an NFC championship team, but they're a good football team and you've got to go to their place and you've got to play them. And it's not Kirk cousins in prime time. It's Kirk cousins at one o'clock. And he's, Great he's point. one of those, any given Sunday quarterbacks. If you go against good Kirk cousins, that's a really hard game to win. This is a tough one. And then you've got two after this, the chargers and Cardinals. This, this isn't and, and Denver before you have to play Pittsburgh. This is kind of a sneaky tough little stretch here for the Browns. So now I'm wondering if Mary Kay is going to take that game that I thought she would take if it fell to her. Absolutely. 100%. I am going to take that game that you think that I'm going to take. I would be shocked if we're not on the same page here. And I want to thank Doug for sort of setting the table and giving the Vikings to Ellis so I can have this game because I really wanted this game on my little slate here. So Dan, do you want to take a guess at who I'm taking? Well, I have two options, but the one I was thinking was the Cardinals. It's the Cardinals. I am taking the Cardinals here. And I really wanted this one because once again, I love a good Baker Mayfield. Prove it. Let me go out there and and kick your butt quarterback matchup. Okay. And what's better than Baker Mayfield versus Kyler Murray. So many storylines there, obviously. Kyler got the best of them in the first, uh, the first meeting between these two guys because the, the, the team was a train wreck that year. I mean, it was just an absolute train wreck. You look over there, Jarvis Landry's over there yelling at Freddie Kitchens on the sideline. I mean, it was bedlam, right? Nobody knew what was going on. Completely different ball game now. Baker is going to be very, very confident heading into this game. But there, there are a lot of other storylines here that I think are, are so fun and so intriguing. You've got J.J. Watt. You have J.J. Watt uh, that is now a member of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, you've got Chandler Jones coming back. You've got Zayvon Collins drafted by the Cardinals. You've got the Browns trying to stop DeAndre Hopkins. They went 8-8 eight and eight last year. That's pretty darn good, especially given some of the injuries that they had. And I just think that it's going to be a very, very interesting quarterback duel. And the Browns, once again, are built to try to manage and handle this kind of a quarterback and that kind of a receiver. And yet 
the defense, I think, is, is going to make a difference when you can get that kind of pressure. I think that that's when their defense can get that kind of pressure, if they can. I think that's a factor. I, I just think there's so many cool things about this game. I think it's going to be really emotional also before the game when the Browns retire J.J. Watt's jersey is just going <laughs> to – I mean, that, that 10-day stretch of being an almost Brown, I mean, it meant so much to the fan base. And I, uh, I will uh, – I will never forget JJ's time as a, as an almost Brown. So, I mean, I'm going to have to really uh, try to make sure I can get through that game. <laughs> hey, listen, it was a long month. All right. <laughs> it was. We all, we I mean, all I'm not, I, we all did it. I'm not, I'm not, I, <laughs> yeah, mean, like, so, I mean, it's like, he's the most Brown of a guy who never played for the Browns that I've ever come across, but yeah. Is this, is this one of those games, Ellis, you've talked about this. Is this one of those games where you're, you kind of are, disappointed you get the Cardinals early because I feel like last year that was a team that got off to a great start and Kyler got dinged up a little bit and he kind of wasn't the same guy for a chunk of that year when they went when they kind of limped to the finish line and I just, I just wonder you know we have to know we have to see if Kyler can stay healthy for 16 games at, at playing the game at his size and so getting him in week six as opposed to week 12 could make a difference no doubt Dan for a quarterback who is somewhere between five, eight and a half and five, 10 surviving the war of attrition is something he still needs to prove now with an added game. Of course, a team that maybe not super Bowl aspirations, though the signing of guys like JJ Watt and AJ Green would tell you otherwise it's a team that needs to win and be in the threat for a wild card spot. If they want to, if their head coach wants to keep their job. And for that reason, it is a team you'd rather not see early. Cliff Kingsbury is going to have to come out blazing and, and pull out all the stops. And this is a, a spot where, Doug, you're not going to like this, but in my worst case scenario where the Browns lose nine games, I have down between weeks four and seven, the Vikings, Chargers, Cardinals, Broncos stretch, they'd go two and two. And, and that might be even realistic. You know, those are two away games, two road games. But my point is, in a best case scenario for all four of those teams, the Vikings, Chargers, Cardinals, Broncos, those could be really good seasons. There is plenty of upside for all four of those teams. And you could make a legitimate case why all four of those teams in a best case scenario are extremely problematic for the Browns. So I like the game. It's an NFC game. So, you know, that's why it's, it's lower on the list here, but it, it makes perfect sense. And, and Kyler as a precursor to what they'll prepare for in, in Lamar Jackson later in the year. Yeah. I was thinking about, about a potential losing streak too, after Dan talked about how it was a sneaky, tough uh, lead up to that. And you know, what if they are two and two and three going into that game, that would be a worst case scenario. If the Cardinals do show improvement this year, that's, that's just not a, a great place to be after all the expectation this off season and everything they've done to be two and three at that point. I don't even want to see that. <laughs> that would just be a bad situation around here. Yeah. And, and I'll add to this for all the, upgrades and changes the Browns have made to their secondary. They're not going to have a guy that can cover DeAndre Hopkins might be a no brainer, but when we, when we see it in person, it, it's going to be something special that that guy is, is a complete mismatch problem. Each, each snap. To be clear, the Browns are not going to be two and three going into this game. I think it is much more likely that the Cardinals are one and four and they lose this and cliff gets fired. They're all in right. They're all in on this. And I don't think he's a good coach. And so they have the Niners, the Vikings, the Titans, and the Rams all before the Browns. And that's a tough division. We know that. 
And so I am, I just want to make sure that I'm not going to sit here and like be afraid of the Cardinals on, on behalf of the Browns. They're going to come to Cleveland and be like, Oh my God, you know, so we'll see. Uh, the Hopkins point is interesting though. Again, er, an early season matchup. The Hopkins point is interesting because let's say Greg Newsom is your starter. It can take a cornerback a little bit of time to find his sea legs. And, you know, week six might be about that time that it starts to happen, but you know, now it would be Denzel Ward going against Hopkins most likely, but you know, that that's something to factor in with these early games. If you have to go against some really good receivers. Yeah. It's something I can't wait to see. Like is Denzel a shadow guy or is it just going to be he'll stay on one side and a combination of Newsom and Greedy on the other side. And if it is corner playing one side or the other, whether it's Greedy or, or Greg Newsom, DeAndre Hopkins is, is going to get plenty of opportunities and targets against that that young player, I promise. All right, let's go ahead here and knock these last four picks out. Scott, you're up. I'm taking the home opener against the Texans. Oh, like if, you're killing me. If, if the Browns win the first game, that's just going to be bonkers uh, for a home <laughs> opener going into the game against the Texans. The Texans have 10 former Browns on their on their roster. <laughs> and, like, and there's 10 guys who have played recently, you know? The Tyrod Taylor's on their roster now. Kirksey. Yeah. Hurts Mitchell. <laughs> Javier Thomas. Like the Javier Thomas revenge game, I guess. Natural Hilliard. So they got a lot of former Browns there. And it's a game, obviously, the Browns are going to be super favored in, especially if the Texans are, are wondering who their quarterback's going to be. Um, even if it's a blowout, even if it's a route, it's the home opener. It's going to be kind of electric. And mm-hmm. like I said, if they do win in week one, it's Browns fans are just going to be foaming at the mouth for this game. I, I can't believe you did this to me, Scott. I was going to take this game. I was going to shock <laughs> the world. It's just, even if they lose to Kansas City, Browns fans have been waiting oh, yeah. forever. For, like, this is going to be, this might be the end of the Muni lot. Like, I don't know how you burn down a parking lot, but this might burn down a parking lot. They have been waiting for this tailgate forever. And I don't, I, even if they lose to Kansas City by 30, I just think, that atmosphere for that football game, you're going to have 70,000 people in that stadium is going to be, especially for playing the Houston Texans without Deshaun Watson, that atmosphere is going to be playoff-like. Fans are just so, everything is so pent up for these fans, and that game is going to be like, I'm curious to see what the home preseason game is like, honestly, but this one is going to be like 2019 on steroids. A handful of solid one-liners across the panel this evening. So I appreciate that on Wednesday night from you guys. I completely agree. I said this earlier already in the pod that this feels like a college schedule. Of course, the Chiefs game aside, having that opportunity to play the Texans at home in late September for your first game of the year, you guys already laid out and, of course, know the history of Browns home openers far better than I it is going to be wild. And again, it, it is perfect for that type of energy to have that college like atmosphere and experience with scheduling. No one will ever admit it. No one will ever say it, but this is a complete bulldozer type style game. And a one that will just com- continue to get the Browns ready for the rest of the year. And that potential losing streak and stretch that we're talking about the Viking charger Cardinal Denver stretch. All right, well, I'll do it. I'll take the Raiders here with my pick. I don't have a whole lot to say about this game. I feel like the Raiders kind of are who they are. But again, you know, tough end of the year game. They they play that Ravens bye week Ravens. And this is one of those games where if you get tripped up, it hurts you. 
this is just this is an important game because of where it is on the schedule and because the Raiders are at least a decent team. Now they've been bad in the second halves of seasons under John Gruden. So this is when you want to get them. But you know, they they they're not a pushover. The Browns should, the Browns will be favored. The Browns should win. But this is this is just a tough little speed bump I think in a stretch where you aren't going to really have a lot of room to lose games. And if you do lose this game, that's when you're going to Green Bay the next week. So this will be an important game, mostly for where it's at in the schedule. All right, let's uh, wrap this up then because we have gone for a while and we've got Detroit and Cincinnati left. So that's where we're at. Uh, Doug, who do you like here? So I'm a little worried about the Browns having maybe clinched the one seed by week 17 and resting all their starters. What if they're going for seven? You guys, games? actually, that's where I'm officially, I've staked out my place where everybody's like, yeah, I think actually Doug does think they're going 16 and one. I don't <laughs> think the Browns are going to be the one seed. I don't, I think they're going to have to win at Kansas city to get to the super bowl, but I'll take Cincinnati as the last game of the season at home, a divisional game at home. I think it will matter whether it's seeding, whether it's win the division, I think the Browns will be good enough, but not separated enough that it will matter. And I do want to note the last five games on our list are all home games. So I don't know. That's a maybe some indication that they have some interesting slash tough road tests, but the last five games are all home games. And so that's what this home schedule is like. It's a little bit of a weird home schedule, but I think it a division game that with something on the line in, in week 18 will be cool. Okay. Ellis, I'm going to let you, unless you had something to say about that game, then I'll let you turn in the card. And then I have to ask Scott, our historian, a question about this final game here. All I got to say about Detroit is this is a game that fans can honestly take off. Probably, you know, Thanksgiving is just four or five days later on that Thursday. And if you have some errands to run or, or need to pick up something or just prep the house or a trip for whatever you're doing on Thanksgiving, go ahead and do it that Sunday. Cause look, I, you know how I feel with the NFC North and I, I, I can't get, I can't get fired up for this one. Unless I'm missing something you all want to add. I'll take it. Cause I got to submit the card, but it's going to be a tough year in Detroit. Chris Spielman is in Detroit's front office. That's the most interesting thing about this game. <laughs> oh, isn't Dorsey too. Yeah. Oh, and Dorsey is too. Yeah. He's got yeah. triumphant return. Yeah. He's got That's that true. sweater too. He's got a lion sweater made up already. He's been spotted in it. Jared Goff doesn't do anything for you. Oh, not, not an ounce. Scott is the barge on the line in this game. Say it again. Is the barge on the line in this game? Well, I don't, I mean, if this was a preseason game, this would have been number one on my list. <laughs> the great lakes classic is like, you mm-hmm. don't get anything better than that, but the barge is missing. Like it used to be in the media room and then it's, it's gone now. I, I don't know where it is. It's I think the Browns room. have ownership of it, but maybe it's in that closet where we used to do our, our podcast in Berea. They had all those <laughs> like old artifacts, like, you know, AAFC media guys from like 1948. And like, it was just a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I don't think the barge is on the line for this. I think it has to be in the preseason. I think that's what made it special. Coming this summer in the orange and brown talk feed, a six part narrative podcast, Scott Patsko and the search for the barge. That's right. <laughs> I would I would listen to that. I would also listen to a podcast just the full history of Great Lakes Classics games. Especially because one of those games got Freddie Kitchens a head coaching job. 
<laughs> Randy yeah. Quinn might be the all-time MVP of the of the GLC. I think he came in in like the fourth quarter, one of those games, and let a touchdown drive, and that's all fans cared about. You got to beat the Lions in the preseason. I have no idea what the barge is, but I'm all in on a Scott Pasco podcast limited series for analytical humor and history. Take it away. We're pushing an hour 20, so we don't have nearly enough time to go on and, and tell you about the barge. We'll save that for some, some other podcast here. All right, there you go. Our full schedule breakdown. I did not write down who everybody picked, so I don't have your teams. You're going to have to just go to bed tonight knowing that you picked the best team deep down in, in your heart of hearts. Uh, so everybody out there, make sure you're a football insider subscriber. Like I always tell you, go to cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And I know you're used to getting got to watch the tape here on Thursdays. That's going to come tomorrow on Friday so that we could do a little schedule talk here for you the day after the schedule is out. So for Mary Kay, Doug, Scott, and Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's the point. It, it, it's going to matter. I don't know if you guys heard that. I had a phone call coming in. Cut, cut that down. If you guys didn't hear it. <laughs> I got you it. Guys, were you guys able to hear it? No. Okay. Sorry about that. I forgot what I was going to say. Dad, let's forget that. <laughs> well, now we got to keep this in. <laughs>